0: welcome to over the podcast as always i'm abdullah and i'm joined today with uh Melly grant how you doing
1: hey hello hello thanks for having me
0: so how did we get here how did you get started and what was your origin story
1: about, about 12 emails no you mean just my career in general <laughs> um yikes just right in i uh, i grew up in new york uh I uh, I lived most of my life in Brooklyn, but I was raised out on Eastern Long Island. I studied theater since the time I was very young. Um, I uh, was at an arts camp as a child. I ended up getting in and attending uh, Tisch at NYU for my BFA in drama. Uh, And then I graduated and (laughs) we were in the middle of a recession. So no one could keep their job or get one if they didn't already have one. And I happened to already have a part-time job at Apple. So I decided it was probably a good idea to, uh, you know, push for full-time hours. And next thing you know, I had a 10 year career fixing computers. Um, and at some point along the way, I think I, I made the conscious decision that, you know, I'm fine with this. I don't need to do acting. I enjoy turning screws for a living. Uh, and you know, eventually my heart caught up with me, and um, at some point along the way, I, uh, I, uh, I went through a big transition experience that you may or may not be privy to. Um, but uh, but that was a big moment in my life, and eventually, I I like to blame it on being on some awful medication at the time. But I was absolutely miserable there. I quit the job ten years to the day, which means. I still got this beautiful crystal that I keep on my desk, thanking me for giving them 10 years of service. But literally the day they handed it to me, I walked out the door and, uh, and I moved down to Texas to start trying to pursue a career in the arts. I, uh, I picked Texas because I could stretch my savings further. I was fortunate enough to have some savings from working, you know, 10 years in retail and, um, and the rest, as they say, is history. I'd like to say that, you know, uh, having been at that place in my life where I decided, you know, maybe the arts aren't for me. And then eventually getting to a place where I decided to take the plunge. I'd love to say that I left and the net appeared and everything was happy ever after and uh, and all the opportunities presented themselves, but that didn't happen. It's, uh, it's been a rough climb and it's been a very slow climb, but I like to think that if there's anything that I was able to develop in myself working all those years prior to jumping in and, and, and trying to pursue the arts, it's it's definitely some grit. You know, I, I feel like I get angry just like everybody else sometimes, but I feel like I have a lot more patience and I kind of understood that the process was going to be a little bit more grueling going in, you know, because I've been through that, that work machine. And so, you know, I, I, I don't know, I probably have a different outlook. Who knows what would have happened if I had 10 years earlier decided to try and be a voice actor. But I, uh, but I definitely feel like I, I probably came in with a different outlook than I might have had if I had just graduated from college and immediately started hitting the streets as a starving artist.
0: I mean, it depends on who you ask because the industry has changed so much in the past 10 years that it honestly, it feels weird looking back at some of the stuff that was coming out then and realizing, Oh yeah, back then we were under the impression that, um, dubs weren't going to be around for much longer, but then, you know, (laughs) (laughs) streaming hit. That's the norm. And then, you know, here we are.
1: Well, and when I when I quit my job, I was definitely thinking or or I should say when I first graduated from college, I was definitely thinking film, television, stage. Uh, And it wasn't until years later that I rediscovered my love of anime and decided I wanted to give that a shot. But things have changed since then. You know, I moved to Texas because you had to, you know, you had to either go to L.A. or you had to go to Dallas, uh, you know, L.A. would have a whole lot more opportunities in terms of film and video games and other and, and lots of, you know, and prelay American animation, whereas Dallas was a lot of anime and a couple of video games. Um, but I moved because I had to. And since then, I have friends who live in, in Virginia and in New York, where I come from, and up in Massachusetts, who have been able to start building careers for themselves without ever having to move, which is crazy.
0: I mean, it, it, it wasn't like everyone wasn't used to recording from home like the, like everyone is now. So that's. No, oh, we've that's had enough. to make
1: some changes real fast. Um, I was very quick to start uh, putting together a home studio because I, like I said, turned screws for a living was a big techie. I, uh, I was trained in, in what I call a whole theater experience. So, so when I was came up, I was studying stagecraft and lighting and set construction and stage management uh, and sound design and I was an actor on stage and and they taught us everything when I went to college I took classes in design and in directing so for me it was very easy to marry my love of tech with my love of storytelling um so when the you know when the pandemic first hit I was very quick to start putting together a recording solution from home I did learn that it was not sufficient very quickly it was probably I, I feel like I started better than most And then as everyone caught up, I started to realize, oh, shit, I need to put about like $500 more into this space to make it actually worthwhile. Um, And slowly it's turned into something I'm really proud of. Like I'll still go into studio if they want me to, but I'm very comfortable recording from home. I feel very safe in there. I have a lot of space to move around. I have a big space. The sound is excellent. Uh, Definitely wasn't what I thought I was walking into years ago when I moved down here.
0: And how was your experience overall you know, um, with the whole process of dubbing and what have you,
1: ah, uh, come see, come saw A little bit of a little bit of good, a little bit of bad. Um, I I've taken workshops and classes in voiceover for years before I had the courage to bother trying to actually make a career out of this. Uh, so when I first got down here, I felt like I understood the process possibly more than most for someone just jumping in for the first time. Um, But you know what, taking that many years off, having spent your entire years, your entire life, studying, you know, the craft of storytelling and then taking 10 years and just deciding not to bother, there was a lot of ground I had to catch up on in terms of my ability to convey those stories and to play those characters. And, and I think that this happens no matter who you are, that, you know, Hopefully, we continue to improve as we continue to, uh, to, to work on ourselves and, and continue to get practice and get experience under our belts. But, oh, man, if I look at my auditions from 2017, they're rough. They are rough. And I'm, I'm, I probably have a long way to go, but I'm, I'm at a place now where I feel a lot more confident in what I'm doing. Back then, I think I knew there was a whole lot of ground I had to catch up on. I knew the technical side of it. I knew how to do ADR but I needed to reclaim a lot of those things that I think used to be instinct for me when it comes to, you know, fully realizing a character. Um, and as far as finding opportunities, you know, it's, it's a mixed bag. I have a weird voice. Um, I get called androgynous a lot. I'm, I'm either depending on how you cast me, I'm either a very deep sounding female character or a very high sounding, soft sounding male character. And that, uh, confuses a lot of people so my perspective and it's easy to say this when it you know you're the person who directly benefits from it my perspective is just you know acting is acting is acting and i and it it fills my heart with so much joy when i see shows go to air that have wonderful diverse casts with so many different beautiful types of voices in unexpected places you know challenging our idea of what certain characters have to sound like you know, and obviously that directly benefits me in practice. I've had a lot of people tell me they don't know what to do with me and they've said it politely <laughs> and they've meant well. Um, but so there's definitely been an uphill battle in terms of getting people to get used to the way I sound enough that they can hear me being a part of their stories. Um, if there's any silver lining, it's that if you look at my resume, you see a whole bunch of different friggin' characters, you know, you see soft spoken, sensitive girls, you see crunchy, loud, screaming gremlins. You see dudes, you see chicks. And and that's kind of cool. You know, someday that may pay dividends if people look at my, at my catalog and say, wow, she's got a great range. She can play anything. That would be an amazing place to get to in my career. Um, but, you know, definitely at the outset, it, it tends to look a lot more like we don't know what to do with you. So we'd rather just not touch you. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's God. I'm trying hard not to, um, not to ruffle any feathers here, but um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, it really is tough because, like, I know now, like right now, there's this whole controversy about, like, oh man, everybody in dub sounds the same. Everybody has like only like the same voice and everything, and blah blah blah. And I'm like, look, most of the time, people get hired because casting directors know what what this actor is capable of and they they already have in mind who they want for these roles so that's why you hear the same people and everything
1: yeah when the director can cast their own show um sometimes taking out that check of having a casting director there can mean that they go with their first instinct and and so that might mean hearing the same actors playing the same kinds of roles which can be frustrating for the actor too if they're always playing the same kind of role all the time that they get typecast like that um but it what am I trying to say here I have a point I'm going to make um I feel like there's a couple of things in play there um anime in general is known for having very clear cut chiseled archetypes. And so oftentimes we know what a character is supposed to sound like. um, And that can impact what goes to air in a number of different ways. You know, If the director has that sensibility, then they're going to put someone that has that predictable sound in that predictable role. You see a character that's very muscular, you know what they're gonna sound like. You see a woman that's very muscular, you know what she's gonna sound like. You see a a character with glasses, you have a decent idea of what they're going to sound like. Um, But also for actors you know, we get used to those templates too. And so oftentimes it's hard not to feel like you need to shape your performance around that because you know that you you at least feel like that's what they want. And so on some level, and and this is me being very positive about it, um, I think that it's a collaborative effort for, you know, casting directors and directors to challenge themselves to be surprised and to think outside the box of what they're used to certain characters sounding like. And it's also on us as the performers to to throw them options they might not expect. You know, and in my case, that means if I see a character that I feel has to sound like a high-pitched teeny bopper girl, not trying to do that, and just let me be me and, and give my own take on what that character could sound like. Because if that read never hits their box, then they don't even have an option they can go with. So, you know, it's, it's, it's multifaceted. <laughs> But but
0: then you have the opposite where you know people complain when uh high school characters sound too high pitched and they're like oh that's why this is why english dubs are terrible because everyone sounds too high pitched. <laughs> and then you have the opposite where if if a character sound if a character sounds lower everyone's going to be like so everyone suddenly everyone's like so and so sounds too old. It takes me out of it. Too old, too old. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the fan base is is very large for any given show. And so it's hard to put them all into one box. Um, but I think it depends. I think we've seen very high profile characters get a tremendous amount of scrutiny if they don't sound exactly like what we expect them to. Um, and you know what? I could be coming from a place of privilege of having a fantastic fan base that's super friggin' supportive. Um, but I see a lot of people generally express excitement when, when, when we explore different types of voices and when, and when the casts do sound different, you know, I feel like there's always going to be those, like if I'm thinking back years, like the biggest one that immediately pops into my brain is I know that there was a tremendous amount of buzz around, um, 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 Trina Nishimura's Mikasa when she first was cast, because everyone had an idea of what they thought Mikasa should sound like. And over time, I think everyone's okay with it now. Um, But, you know, you come in with a certain expectation. It's like reading a book, you kind of get a sense of what characters are supposed to sound like. and, uh, And, and then when you see the movie, and the character sounds or looks different, that kind of throws you for a loop for a second. But ultimately, it's a matter of whether that performance, you know, wins you back. Um, I think, and, and I probably don't need to tell you this, but, but the fact that a lot of people who watch and subs don't speak Japanese also has something to do with it because they might not understand the performance the same way that someone who's a native speaker does. Um, there might be nuances to the performance or things that, that slip by and what you're hearing is a melody, but you might be missing some of the nuances of that performance. I, uh, I, this could totally be my writing, but I wrote Nagatoro, the dub of, uh, of, um, Don't Toy With Me is Nagatoro, which is airing now on Crunchyroll, Roll. And, uh, and something I've seen more than once in the comments section that's taken me by surprise, because I feel like while I am definitely taking some liberties with the interactions, I am recreating the spirit of what I see happening on screen in the Japanese. And I'm honoring that with, you know, my own Melly Grant twist. Um, but I've seen a lot of people saying that, that the friend group in that show is way meaner in the dub oh my God, they're so savage in the dub. They always just struck me as kind of snarky in the original J, but in English, they're just mean. I think some of that has to do with the fact that you actually hear the words going into your ears now in a language you understand. Um, But I can't speak for everybody, you know? What what do you mean? Dio was the bad guy all along? He seemed like a nice dude. Right? (laughs) With the flower crown and that beautiful summer dress. (laughs) <laughs> i thought him and jotaro could have been friends <laughs> i i fiend for I, sh- I shouldn't follow it because you know you're always going to run the risk of running into something that upsets you but i fiend for uh, a commentary on the nagatoro dub i love to see what people think of it both positive and negative because I, I poured so many hours into writing that script that uh everything's a choice and so i think i said i said this on a previous uh, interview but when i see people ex- extremely passionate about it and super excited about what they see coming out of the dub that brings me a tremendous amount of joy and when I see people get really angry over certain decisions I make there's still a small part of me that that thinks well hey I made you feel something because you didn't get angry at a mistake you got angry at a choice you just happened to not like that choice but it's still it you know it still affected you you still felt something which might that might be me getting really artsy fartsy about it I come from a theater background, so I come from that background of like throwing paint and 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 potash on the wall and smearing it all over the place, and then looking at your friends and grabbing them by the collar and saying, "What do you see? How does it make you feel?"
0: I mean, I've ha- I I had a similar experience with um, combatants will be dispatched. I honestly like here's my here's my <laughs> shit here's my shit take for the episode, yes! but. Uh, I think the dub of that show is a lot better than the sub, personally, because watching it subbed, I was like, "Yeah, you know, the, these actors are fine and, you know, they're play, they play their characters well, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. with the dub, they got a chance to really play it over the top and cartoony and it was, I, I honestly enjoyed the dub more than I did the sub, to be quite honest, so there you go.
1: Sometimes it hits harder when it's in a language that you're familiar with. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, 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 if you're somehow trolling for Melly Grant interviews, you'll, you've probably heard me say this before, but I, I feel like it, it varies person to person. You know, I have shows that I will only watch dubbed. I have shows I will only watch subbed because they're, they're doing something Connected with me that I connected with that I felt wasn't captured in the dub, and I have shows that I love both, and I won't throw any shows under the bus that I didn't like. But uh, but a perfect example is uh, *Kaiō*, *Kill a Kill*, um, *Attack on Titan*, are an example of shows that I've watched cover to cover in both languages, and I love both casts. Sometimes for different reasons, sometimes for the same reason, but but it's fascinating when that happens versus when it doesn't. When you feel like one that you connect with one on on a deeper level than you did the other.
0: I mean, the only exception for me is Cowboy Bebop. I have to watch that, you know, dubbed. I, I, you know, like that to me, that show has to be watched dubbed. I'm sorry. Like oh, I, Steve I, Bloom's know. <laughs> timeless.
1: Steve Bloom is timeless.
0: I, I just love that entire cast, you know, Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, like knocked it out of the park when, you know, she
1: directed that and mm. God, they don't make them like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's some good stuff coming out. I I am in love with Attack on Titan. I took a long break from anime when I was just buried in my retail job, and that show brought me back. I, I think I didn't realize how much the the medium had come forward in terms of what I should expect from performances and from the animation quality and from, you know, and the the occasional very weird 3D, but we can let that slide. Uh and, and the incredible orchestrations. Like, man, the day I discovered uh, Hiroyuki Sawano was the day that my entire life and my perspective on anime changed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that could, that could speak to a personal taste. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it, yeah, it's wild. And then, and then I'm never going to remember the name of it, but there have been some shows that hit in the past couple of seasons that have taken a sharp turn left in, in their animation style and the way that they... They tell that their' sto- they tell their story and so it's cool to see people still experimenting
0: well I mean you know to me personally i i'm I'm someone who I'm not into anime that much and mm. because i i you know have this I'm look I'm very picky when it comes to anime I am like the worst person to to watch anime with because I am ridiculously picky when it comes to anime because like, I'll watch a couple episodes and if a show doesn't hook me after like two or three episodes I'm not gonna you know continue watching it and sometimes I'll I'll put I'll power through shows but most of the time I just don't I mean I just don't watch it and, and personally this is my personal opinion I have to state this before anyone gets mad at me <laughs> but I honestly think that you know the quality of the some some of the newer shows just you know isn't for me and I Sometimes look at these shows and I'm like, I don't even know what anime is anymore.
1: <laughs> Raise the pitchforks! <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, let me tell you, I uh, I am I am not a great anime fan. At times, I have time to watch things I'm in and things I'm working on, and and so on any given season, there are a ton of things that I am not uh, current on. You know, you only have so much time in the day, especially when I'm filling my day with auditions or I'm, I'm working on sessions and recording for shows. I write weekly for different shows. You can only watch so much around that, man. I can barely get through the, uh, the shows I'm watching on, on Amazon and Netflix. I get I get through, I'm going through, uh, the boys now, which I'm, I'm super into already. I was surprised at how much I'm enjoying the show, but man, I get through like one episode a week with the free time I have um I mean,
0: yeah and 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 again i'm one of those people who's like god why why is each episode like 40 uh, to 30 minutes long or what have you it's like can't can we just have every episode be 22 minutes please i feel like Not 22 minutes is, i feel like 22 minutes is a sweet spot like because i grew up watching a lot of western animation and western animation is like 22 minutes and i'm like well if you if, if they can tell a story in like 22 minutes like what what is, what is uh, this big budget show's excuse?
1: Interesting. Well, you know, and, and that's been one of the big changes when it comes to stuff like your Netflixes and Amazons because that is wild, right? When you like load up any given show or any given episode of a show and you don't know whether you're walking into a 30 minute episode or an hour and 20 minute episode. I know that happens on Netflix a lot. Oh yeah. It's like, it's oh, sure. I guess I'm here for an hour 10 now. I thought this was going to be 40 minutes.
0: Yeah, I mean, 40 minutes is fine for me. Like 20 to 40 minutes, I think, is the sweet spot. But like any more than that, and I'm like, God, why? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I can't speak for any, everybody, but uh, I can certainly speak for myself. It's always my, my mission to, to change minds. So, you know, I, I, I can't begrudge somebody who struggles with, uh, with the work that we're doing in dubbed anime, but, you know, it's always my kind of secret hope that I can change your mind. And uh, and you know do some work that does capture your imagination and uh, and interest you. I certainly try to pour my heart into everything that I do when I get handed a role. It's few and far between. I hope that you know I see more success and I can continue to grow my career. It uh, it's it's certainly a, a marathon, not a sprint. But uh, I, I at the very least, speaking for myself, I try to I try to run as hard as I can with the ball when I get it. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of your guests would say the same. <laughs>
0: I mean, everyone I've interviewed pretty much like gives it their all. I mean, if they if they didn't, then I wouldn't notice or care <laughs> what they're doing. To be quite honest, because I'm like, well, <laughs> I mean, because it, it, cause there are a lot of oh god, here comes the part where people are going to get mad at me. But uh, honestly, I think there are like some performances in recent years that I I have just not been a fan of. I I will <laughs> look at a performance and I'll be like. God, was this really the best take, or was this really the best person you you could get for the role and what have you? and that's fine. That's my personal opinion. But I don't go. Out, I'm not going to go out of my way and harass that actor on Twitter or whatever. I'm just going to be like, well, it's a thing that exists, and thank I'm not you. A
1: fan, I'm not a fan of it, but whatever. Yeah. Thank you for that. Uh. Yeah. Um. I was just going to say something, and I and I and I lost it. Uh, well, there are so many moving parts, so it's hard to know sometimes, you know, it's hard to know if, uh, you're seeing a casting choice that came from the director or a casting director or the client. Uh, if you're not particularly happy with a take that goes to air, um, that could be a matter of taste. The director might love it. Other fans might love it. Other times it could be a, a matter of deadlines or, or budget, or it could be a directing choice that maybe didn't land well with the actor, like so many stuff. So there are always so many balls in the air. I, I always look back at my, uh, my work on fairytale. Uh, I played Demaria Yesta in the final series season of fairytale. I was one of the the Spriggan 12. Um, she had an awesome tattoo that I, ugh, if I ever end up back on in New York, anywhere near my tattoo artist, I'm, I'm probably going to end up putting it on my body. Um, but that work was a wild learning experience for me. And, and obviously I'm speaking as someone who at the time was learning and, and so if you feel this way about someone who's, you know, at the height of their game, I don't know what to tell you. But, um, but I feel like you can watch my performance in Fairy Tale episode by episode. I'm learning things. I cringe so hard through the first couple of appearances that I had on that show. I'm really happy with a lot of the work I did by the, by the end of her arc. Um, but it's almost episode by episode. I was learning something. I would make some horrific mistake and they would keep it. Either because the director liked it, and it's just a matter of taste, or because we didn't have time to, to keep trying. Um, go and forget about old stuff. There's stuff I did years ago, back in the early 2000s when I was just sort of dipping my toes in, but but absolutely hadn't taken the leap yet. And I, I go back and I watch that stuff, and I cry. I cry through that work. <laughs> but there's something cool about that too, and you can see when you can see the work getting better. You know, I, I, you only have control over the one thing you're doing. So when you're an actor in the booth, you do the best damn job you can, and you hope that uh, everyone else involved in the process cares as much as you do. When I'm writing, man, I probably put in more hours than I should because I want to make sure that that episode pops because that's what I have control over. I don't have control over how it gets cast or who's directing or the choices that get made or whether we see the character the same way, but I have control over this, so I'm going to try to make this as good as possible.
0: And, I mean, you bring up a good point about – actors and their journeys um to to become what they are i mean i've mentioned this before like many years ago but um i honestly can't stop laughing at like some of steve bloom's earlier work because it's like so terrible (laughs) and it's like how (laughs) you watch that and you're like how did you become like you know steve bloom (laughs) because it's like
1: i find that so reassuring When I can see actors who are prolific working actors now who are in everything and I can find something and see them still learning, that makes me feel so much better about my own journey.
0: Oh, well, I mean, you're never not learning new stuff. You're always going to be learning new stuff. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're new to the business or if you're, if you've been here since whenever I've, I've learned from doing the show that every single actor I've talked to Is always learning. They are always learning and they're always trying to find ways to improve on their craft.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, you know, and it's a collaborative process. So there are some things you can do to improve on your own, but a lot of it requires having the people to work with, you know, you can read plays, you can practice monologues and record things back to yourself. But I feel like a lot of that, the most powerful progress you'll make is when you're working with scene partners, whether you're doing plays and you're on stage or whether you're getting cast and stuff creates a little bit of a catch 22 where there's, you know, you, you have to find ways to turn the time that you're not working into, into time that you can improve. Even if that just means trying your best with every single audition you get and always challenging yourself to make this audition better than the last audition, because if you only get practice when someone casts you, It's going to be hard to build something off of that. You know, if you're, if if you're finally booking something in July, but you're coming in with last November's acting ability, it's going to be a slow, even slower climb. Um, So I I guess I noticed that when I, in my auditions too, I I like to keep some of those old files and it's nice to listen back to even that and hear it improving whether or not you book the role. It's cool to be able to look back and say, wow, I'm, I've definitely leveled up since, uh, you know, since, since then. I mean, I
0: think you're the only person I've talked to that does that because everyone else I've talked to, they're like, no, I don't listen to any of my old demos because I I just can't.
1: I've gone back and forth because I know that for a lot of people, there's kind of this idea that if you spend too long on an audition, it's going to get stale and it's going to be bad. Um, and. That's never been something I've connected with because I and I'm sure some theater actors will tell you the same, but but at least the theater act the theater background I came from, I'm used to rehearsing stuff, and so it's natural for me to want to run lines and make decisions and and try to craft a performance. That's how I work. Um, so I go through phases where when I'm doing an audition, I might be in there way longer than I probably should be, because that's like the only practice I'm getting this week. So. I'm workshopping, I'm trying different things. I'm completely turning the character upside down and seeing what happens. Because if I treat every audition as five minutes in, five minutes out, say the first thing that comes off the top of my head and send it, I'm not getting a whole lot of practice. Uh, and you know, and I go back and forth. I think that that I'm at a point now where there are plenty of character archetypes that I'm strong in and that I have a lot of confidence in that I can go into the booth and I can immediately send something out the door that whether or not they like it, I'm damn proud of it. Um, but, you know, part of the nature of, of being in this business is you get tons of things that you aren't a good fit for as well. And some of those you're going to pass on because you know that you're so not a good fit that it is not even worth trying. <laughs> but then there are a lot of ones that are uh, on the, that are sort of on the line. And, and so one could argue that it's better to take a swing than not. And so it's those characters where I, Really feel like this is not a good fit for me, but maybe I can figure something out that, uh, that I might, you know, tear that character to pieces, put it back together a dozen different ways before I come up with something I'm happy with. Um, and you know, even if what I send them is nothing like what they are expecting or want, it's, it's given me a chance, I guess, to practice, uh, a character type that I'm not comfortable in. Cause you know, maybe someday down the line, I'll be better at it. You know what? I'm pretty good at sultry characters now. And I wasn't a couple of years ago. I remember being in a, in a workshop with Crispin Freeman and he threw me a sultry femme fatale kind of uh, sexy smoky character. And I just fell on my face. And I remember him telling me with your voice, this, this should be right in your wheelhouse. I'm confused as to why this isn't something you can do. You need to start working on this archetype. You can book with this. Um, and yeah, what do you know? Three, four years later, I've managed to get to a place where I'm. I'm a lot more confident, and that only happens because I kept trying.
0: And and at the end of the day, honestly, I think it's
1: better to try than not try at all. Yeah, unless you're going to just hate it if you book it. You know, once in a while, a role comes through where I'm like, I don't even want to play this. <laughs> but for most of them, it's it's worth taking a swing because you never know what a director is looking for, and once in a while, you might get surprised. I've had more than a few roles come to me because I submitted something I should not have. Um, I played Catella in Dragon Ball Super, one of the gods of destruction. And the only reason I got that role was because I read for the, and I'm going to forget their names, but I read for the three wolves, uh, Basil, Bergamot, and uh, Lavender. I think that was their names. Um, And they're just these three burly wolf dudes. And so I just got on the mic one night and, and I wasn't even at my home. I was up visiting my dad. I was on a shitty little mic, just, you know, my little holdover while I'm traveling. And I just got on the mic and I made myself a big burly wolf dude and I sent it out. And whatever I sent the director, Raleigh Pickens, he managed to hear Catella in that. And he brought me in and gave me that role as a result of that because I sent in something that like under normal circumstances, I had no business reading for. And it's happened more than once, man. There have been quite a few. Uh, I can't talk about what it is yet, but most more, most recently I had a session for uh, a character that uh, I got the, sometimes you get the auditions from your agent and you get it from the studio because there are a lot of private lists as well. And my agent is usually pretty good about sending me stuff that fits you know, my, my comfort zone. Uh, and so they sent me the characters that I was comfortable in and I, and I read those and, and just as a, as a kind of, I was bored. I decided to look at the original email and see what else there was that maybe I hadn't been sent. And I just picked one off the pile that was a big, big, big stretch. And I sent it in and they booked me for it. So you, man, you never know sometimes. (laughs) It's weird and frustrating, but kind of amazing at the same time. No, I mean that's that's
0: me. Sometimes, whenever I book like a really big name guest, I'm like, "Yeah, it's a goof. <laughs> like, it's it's literally a goof." Where I just like just cold cold email someone, and I'm like, "Yeah, they'll never say yes to this." And they're like, "Yeah, oh, no, they're so and so is interested." And I'm like, "You for real?" <laughs>
1: you that, that the performance is there. Once I get into the booth, I, I care about the work, but there have been a few things where like, I look at it and I do not care. And I do not care while I'm auditioning. And I send out something I do not care about. And then they book me for that. And I'm like, what is happening? And then you have to go, you know, you go in and you find your love for it. But like, I think that comes from a place of, you know, I'm sure it's a judgment on ourselves somehow where you're like, they're never going to answer this. They're never going to cast me for this. What what the hell? Maybe that says something for getting out of your own way and, and you happen to send something that's just super friggin' authentic when you're not thinking about it. Who knows? Who knows? I can say from a fan perspective, way back in the day, I was always surprised. And, and I think that's one of the things I love about this community. I was always surprised at how generous and giving and kind the uh, the anime voice acting community was. I, you know, even when I was, six, seven, eight years away from having the courage to take the plunge, I would occasionally just find someone's email and write them and they'd write back. It, it freaked me out. I, I I swapped a handful of emails with Yuri Lowenval when I was just nobody working in retail somewhere. And he was kind enough to shoot me back emails talking about his home studio and how they set it up and what kind of computer he's using. And he doesn't owe me any of that. And that's so amazing that that there are so many Generous, kind, giving people in this community. Um, you know, I've had uh, high-profile teachers like Crispin Freeman who are working all the time and super busy, but will still take the time to write you back and answer questions and continue to sort of be a coach from the sidelines when you have lost your way a little bit. Even when you're not paying them anymore, you know. Now you've kind of, you know, if I need to book a session, I will. But if if I have doubts about something, I can email and and express those thoughts and, and, and they'll get back to me. And there were a handful of others that I'm sure I'm going to forget without, you know, searching through my email, but it always caught me by surprise how, how, how willing people were to connect. And and that's definitely something I, I try to pay forward uh, to at least to the people that aren't mean to me because uh, because I felt like I was given that when I was just starting out.
0: I, I think honestly, that's, what's missing a lot. From uh, certain, uh, from the business nowadays, it's the paying it forward aspect. I don't see that a lot anymore, and that kind of makes me sad, to be quite honest. Because uh, I, I feel like nowadays everyone's just more concerned about, you know, their brand, which I hate. But uh, whatever you do, you, I guess.
1: I mean, listen, I, I, I have not been. A major guest at conventions. Uh I've not had the experience of having my table surrounded by hundreds of fans looking to have me sign something or take a picture with me. So there's a lot of experiences that I haven't had. And and so I can't say what it feels like to be in the head of somebody who's had kind of overexposure when they just need kind of a moment to like catch their breath and and rest. Um, but uh, but at least where I am now, you know, it's it's one of those things where like until someone until 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 it gets ruined and then we can no longer have nice things. If people are nice to me and, and and human to me, I try to be nice and human back.
0: I mean, that's I mean, I would imagine that would be the norm, but uh, then I remember, oh, no, no, uh, we live in a we live in a hellscape where people think that it's OK to harass voice
1: actors for opinions Yeah. Yeah. I'm, and more than voice actors, there's the people come at, at showrunners and creators. And, and that always baffles me that there are tons of things I watch that I don't like, but I never see that. And I hope most people, I like to think most people don't see that as an excuse to, to directly come after somebody, but some people do. And that's weird to me. It's just so it's more effort. You know, to me, I, I think of of Occam's Razor and that I follow the path of least resistance and the least effort. And so in my brain, which clearly is not the same brain as as some people out there, um, hopefully a minority of people, but in my brain, it's the easiest, least effort, lowest energy, largest payoff thing you can do if you don't like something is turn it off and move on.
0: I, I mean, there are actors I'm not a fan of. Like there's this one specific uh Big name anime voice actor that a lot of people like that. I just like, I just don't get this guy's hype. I don't get why people think this guy is so great, but I'm not going to go out of my way and be like, Oh, you suck. You, you know, blah, 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 Tim on Twitter. Cause I'm like, I don't care. You know, if he gets cast in something, so what? I don't really care. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not a fan of his work. I'll never, you know, be a fan of his work and I'll be like, okay, fine. Like whatever he, you know, <laughs> he exists. He gets hired. I will
1: have to deal with that fact. There are people too, you know? It's just a human behind that. And I try to check myself on that when I... Because I get insecure about things. I I certainly have my own background and my own expectations and my own judgments for, for ways to behave. You know, there are things I'm afraid to say because I'm worried about how it might impact the way people uh, see me. You know, and I'll also see certain you know, I, I, and I see behaviors on Twitter and other social media spaces that that rub me the wrong way because of, I don't know, however I was raised or what my background is. But if I see someone super confident in a way that I don't know how to be, uh, sometimes I, I, I have to feel like I got to check myself and, and say, you never know where that comes from. That could, we have different experiences. Maybe they've known less defeat than I have, or maybe they are better at keeping their guard up and staying positive than I am I'm great at being sad and angry about things so on some level it's kind of cool if there are people out there that are really great at staying positive um but even if they're not even if they're insecure and just as worried as I am and just better at hiding it like certainly not a reason to be to make it personal we're all different
0: yeah, yeah, I I remember like seeing. I mean, I'll see stuff on Twitter that I don't agree with, and I, I mean, I'm just not. But I'm not gonna go out of my way and be like, oh, "Why did you post this? Why did you think this was a good idea? Why would you think? Why? How dare you post this on Twitter or whatever?" It's like, who gives a shit? Very dare you. Yeah, like like who gives a shit? Like it's it's whatever. Like because I saw someone. I, I've said this before, but I I, I saw an actor like go on like vague posting about people, you know, backstabbers and, you know, everyone being untrustworthy and what have you. And I'm like, and and, and, I, and I thought, and I was like, you know, obviously this person's going through something personal right now and they're, you know, venting out their frustrations. But at the same time, I'm not going to be like, uh, you know, why did you feel the need to post this, uh, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's whatever.
1: I certainly understand that question of like, why did you bring that to a to to a public forum? Um, I'm not a big fan of vague posting myself. I'm sure I've been guilty of it, um, you know. But uh, but yeah, you just know you never know where someone's headspace is and, and and what they're going through. I probably have to get out of my own way sometimes, honestly, uh, because I and I and maybe this is because I worked for ten years at Apple, which is a very secretive company that that is extremely protective of their their ips and and so as an employee there you're always worried about saying the wrong thing Uh, and so that's probably made me extra cautious about what i say and what i announce and when Um, i know i've i have just poured over things i've wanted to tweet for hours before posting it double checking every single word and i probably didn't need to you know, so I I should probably let myself off the hook sometimes and just give myself permission to to go wild once in a while. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I've said this before, but man, like if if you get gave me permission to like say okay, you can talk shit about every every person you don't like for how many minutes, I'll, I would just be like, thank you, because I kind of need to get this off my chest. But but at the same time, it's like I I realize like, look, I'm not. There are a lot of things about the industry and a lot of people I'm not very fond of, but I'm not going to go out of my way to burn bridges and, you know, piss on the ashes. I, I mean, and, and, and it's funny because, like, I, I'm giving someone shit for vague posting, but I ended up vague posting a thing <laughs> recently. And I'm like, yeah, oh, and, I'm, and I just like thought to myself, wait, wait a minute. Uh, you know, you shouldn't be talking shit about people fake posting when you do it so it's like um mm, mm.
1: <laughs> had a lot of back and forth with people about that because i know that there's also a sense of wanting to keep uh you know keep people informed of what you're doing and 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 making yourself look busy and sometimes we'll record things that that might not release for you know years i i have stuff that i recorded in what year is it is it 2022 I recorded one or two things at the end of 2020 and they're still not out. And I still don't have the ability to announce it, which is weird. You know, especially like if you're just starting to break into, you know, the SAG-AFTRA world and you're doing union gigs, being able to announce that you've done union work and start to accrue those credits can be a really big deal in terms of building your career and, and your portfolio. But man, some of those projects, who knows when they'll appear. (laughs) who knows when they'll be announced. I even, I mean, even an indie movie, like um, uh, I was in Asluna Crown of Babylon as Killian. And I was super excited about that because it was my first dude. I've been trying to book younger guys and not just play women. And it was my first time playing just like a straight up teenage guy. Uh, And I recorded that at the end of 2020. And it didn't release until something like this past Christmas, or maybe just a little bit before that. Um, and so I'm sure that the, the motivation of some is to be able to at least say something, even if it's as vague as like, I got to work today. So it seems like you're working. And then, you know, you can double dip later when you get to actually announce it. I don't do that a lot, but I, but I've heard, I've heard arguments made in, in defense of it.
0: Oh, no, I see that a lot recently. And I'm like, uh, you know, good for you. I mean,
1: a lot yeah. of eyeball emojis yeah
0: it's like i mean good for you but it's like uh, you know <laughs> i'd be more excited when the when the project drops i don't want to be like yeah, yeah. i don't want to be that guy who's like yeah that's great uh so uh, uh but uh when's the project dropping <laughs> yeah.
1: well and 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 from the actor's perspective you know i would never wish this upon anybody but i think the thing that keeps me from from even doing that sometimes. Not that anyone would know. I could tweet and say, I got to do stuff today on days that I didn't and no one would know the difference. But, um, but I think for me, the fear is often things change. You know, Ca- characters get recast, projects uh, get canceled, the uh, vision changes and they decide they're looking for something different and they still paid you. So at the end of the day, you did the gig, you walked home with pff, anywhere from 75 to a thousand bucks and, uh, and you were paid for your time. But, but for me, I don't, you know, I don't want to hype something up. And then even if you never find out about it behind the scenes, find out that it just will never happen. That's one of the things that, that I find fascinating about, and I get why they do this, uh, forthcoming. Uh, it's one of the things I find fascinating about a lot of indie projects because they want to be able to raise money. And so they need to be able to build hype. And so part of the way you build hype is by announcing your cast, but a lot of us have done indie gigs where it's so it's such a strange experience to get cast in something. Have your character and your you know your role announced. So you get to make a role announcement that might get you followers or attention and you haven't even recorded it yet. And you may never record it and the project may never get finished. I have at least one or two things that I've been announced for that I I've never even recorded for once because they're either still figuring it out or, you know, it got canned. Uh, that's such a strange, that's it's such strange territory for me.
0: Or, I mean, I, I, I mean, or in the case of like Cuphead, they announced that like what tw- in 2020 and they announced the actors and they showed a little bit of footage and it's not coming out until like this month. So it's like,
1: <laughs> so yeah, that's so the other side of
0: it. <laughs> so, so, I mean, so, so it's like, and what's weird is like, I ended up, recording an episode talking to someone who worked on Cuphead, one of the voice actors. And it's kind of funny looking back at that interview now, because one of the running jokes is, I'm pretty sure you're, because the running joke was, I'm pretty sure you're going to get asked this a lot, but when is Cuphead coming out? And we did this whole (laughs) running joke about, you know, when is Cuphead coming out? And now that joke joke is now ruined because everyone knows where it's coming out. And I'm not, you know, I already talked about Cuphead. I'm not going to talk about it again. So if you have not listened to that episode, go <laughs> go scour the archives and listen to it. I'll probably yes. be promoting it when Cuphead officially drops as a throwback.
1: Uh, but yes, yeah. Just like when you see that, you'll see a trailer for a movie you get excited about and it's a teaser trailer that says coming 2025. And you're like, what? Why do you even have this trailer then? I'm not even gonna remember it exists in three years.
0: Oh yeah. The, oh man, that Spider-Man 2 trailer like really pissed me off. I'm like, oh man, Spider-Man 2 coming in 2023. I'm like,
1: God damn it. Spider-Verse. <laughs> no Spider-Man 2, the video game. Oh right, right, right. right. Yeah, I know um, we've we've seen it we had a couple of shorts from Spider-Verse 2, and I think no one knows what's going on with that. I don't know, unless maybe something's been announced. I feel like there was at least a moment there where it was like, oh cool, a little spider, a little Spider-Verse short when no okay i mean i just i just
0: hate i just hate teasers like that because it's like i understand you want to get people hyped for the project but at the same time it's like you know why even announce something when it's not ready yet you know just wait
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i too would love to know the inner workings of that and i and i profess to know nothing about it but uh but that makes me think of video games and how we'll get kind of those chiseled definitive deadlines on when the the game is going to come out and so often we see games hit that are premature. And I'm sure that there are so many moving parts that result in that kind of a blunder, but but sometimes it does make you wish that you know, you get ang- you get anxious for it to release cuz you know it's going to. But I guarantee if you didn't know it was coming and then a fantastic Half-Life 3 dropped tomorrow, everyone would be super stoked. <laughs>
0: what are you talking about half-life 3 dropped years ago
1: <laughs> does alex count i haven't played it yet i don't i don't do vr i mean look
0: i, I i've come to the conclusion that alex is the closest we're ever going to get to a half-life 3 and i'm just like okay this is officially half-life 3 and i don't care what anyone says this is the closest we're ever going to get to a continuation or in the in this case a prequel
1: so whatever I guess the opposite of that is when you have a a studio that continuously says they're working on something, but then it never comes out and there is no uh, official announcement until it hits. like like the video game version of, man, and I think he's come out with something just recently, but man, uh, uh, and I'm going to forget the original name of it, but Dre, Dr. Dre was hyping his last album for years and years and years and years, and and it just never happens. And everyone was basically done waiting for it. And then out of nowhere, Compton dropped with like no, no initial hype or preview. It just like landed one day and everyone was like, oh, okay. I think it's a great album. Freaking awesome album. But like, it's just funny that, that that's, that would be the opposite of that, where you, you kind of get, you kind of get the hype thrown at you so much that it desensitizes you and then you stop waiting for it. But then, you know, you're surprised when it finally hits anyway, because you'd given up.
0: Oh, uh, that was Young Justice season four for me, where they just ended up like out of nowhere dropping like the first two episodes of season four on HBO Max on like the day the trailer dropped. And I'm like, holy shit, is this real? Yeah. But, but I mean, I, I just like I just I mean, I honestly think more companies should do that, like take, you know, get people off guard and, you know, drop something unexpectedly and just see what happens.
1: Yeah, it's a very it's a tightrope, isn't it? Building hype for something without building too much hype for something, because if you if you get people excited for something that's more than you can deliver, that's that's going to blow up in your face.
0: I mean, isn't that every video game ever at this point? It certainly
1: feels like many video games fall into that trap.
0: (laughs) What are you talking about? Star Citizen looks amazing.
1: (laughs) I, listen, I adored, absolutely adored the campaign for Anthem. I thought it was a fantastic single player campaign. Some of the best motion capture I've seen in a video game um i'm good friends with the uh the female player the voice of the female player character and i thought oh, she did a fantastic job oh uh sarah i had her on the show you had sarah on yeah sarah's amazing um and then you know everything else happened with that game <laughs> of course now if you go to uh to origin i believe you know you you do up a search and it returns with what game i still hope for it someday maybe it will get the star citizen treatment can they can they end good in anthem
0: no they're they're done they announced that they're ceasing production
1: oh that just (laughs) breaks my heart (laughs) breaks my heart
0: they announced this whole big overhaul and then recently they're like nope it's dead it's (sighs) dead but you can still play its ghost so there you go
1: (laughs) amazing motion capture if you haven't gone through it absolutely incredible great cast too the uh the the main uh mentor figure uh was played by no there can't be more than one thing named anthem that's not fair (laughs) uh oh son of a gun where are you oh yeah nick tarabay uh Played Halleck, who is the mentor figure. Absolutely incredible performance. Um, Nick was on uh, Arrowverse as, uh, as, what's his name? The Boomerang guy. And he's done a lot of other work too. I, that might be belittling his career, but I know him from Arrowverse. Uh, um, but yeah, everyone in that. Uh, uh... Rochelle Neal as Faye. Sarah O'Malley was fantastic. Yeah, so many parts of that. There are so many pieces of that that got a ton of polish and were absolutely delightful. Um, But you know what? I even remembered my first playthrough. I remember flying around and being like, this world is so big, but I feel like it's going to feel small eventually. I think flying does that to a lot of games, actually. I I used to, way back in the day, I used to play a ton of World of Warcraft. And, uh, And I remember when they first introduced flying in that game, it made the world feel so much smaller. There's something to be said for kind of being boots on the ground and having to pick your way through the brush and explore in slow mode. I, I feel like- How that's far a- off the rails has this interview gone? Oh,
0: welcome to the show. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> <laughs> this is every every episode I do. It's like, yeah, we start out talking about voiceover, but then it just devolves <laughs> into bullshit.
1: <laughs> I am happy to answer any questions that, uh, that you have, if, if there happens to be anything that is burning in your brain about anything I've done.
0: I mean, you mentioned you you're, you' know, you're also a script writer, and I, and I might as well cover this thing as I don't never did never got the chance to go into detail, but what is your process when it comes to
1: adapting a script? Make it better no <laughs> um, I want to write dialogue that I want to perform. Um, I think that deadlines can and and, and I should make a disclaimer. That I don't recommend that anybody uh, feel pressured to do more work than than they're being paid for, you know, or to to you know if they're in a position where they're feeling like they're not being valued to to be working overtime for that lack of value anyway. So I'm not I'm not glorifying putting in more hours than than I have to, but um, but on more than one title, I've put in a lot of hours pouring over the script, double and triple checking every line because I want it to feel like something that feels natural to the best of my ability, or at least feels natural to the world that I'm in. Cause I've written stuff that's over the top and weird and hokey too, but that's because the world is over the top and weird and hokey. Um, but I want to, deli- I want to write lines that I'm happy delivering. I think every actor has been in the booth at some point and has had, had to ask, read a line that just is not a human line coming out of the mouth of a human. Um, and who knows why that happens. I'm sure you've seen things where you're like, that is just not how English works. And so being someone who's been on the receiving end of that, you know, it's again, it's it, when I'm in control, I try to be everything that I want that process to look like. If I get a chance to direct at some point, I've been slowly over the years, putting things in my hat of best practices. When I have a great experience, I try to think about what did that director do? What did they say that made me feel like a million bucks? Because I want to carry that with me and be able to create that experience for an actor that I'm directing. If, if I go in and I have a terrible experience, why was that? What did they do that I should make sure I never do? Um, and so, you know, as a writer, one of the, obviously we've got some things we have to, we have to abide by. It has to match the flats, hopefully. Uh, At the very least, you want to be in and out when the character starts and stops talking. If you can, you want to make the internals match too so it doesn't look like something that's atrocious. (laughs) Um, And, you know, and and then the the thing that I strive for, which is I, and a lot of writers do this, but I read out loud and I perform as I'm writing, which is cool secret acting practice because I get to play tons of different characters while I'm typing. Uh, But I also get to deliver the line and decide if that feels weird. And if it does, what can I do to make it feel better or flow more naturally? Um, Because if I'm writing lines that I would be proud of delivering in the booth, then I don't know. Hopefully the actor that that books that role will have a good experience in there. And if they're having a good experience, then hopefully you'll have a good experience watching it.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I have nothing to to add to that.
1: Like, you know, and if you can do much... it without putting in 80 hours, then even better. I some shows I I complete faster than others. I worked on uh so to date I, I'm not I'm not ancient in the ADR script writing world, but um I came in writing the second half of Pretty Boy Detective Club. Uh, I came in at like episode 9. Uh and then I wrote The Honor, not a regular, but I wrote The Honor at Magic High School uh front to back. And uh I have now written the full series of Nagatoro which I am desperately hoping they bring me on for season two if everybody likes it because there's something cool about being like the sole master and commander of the English dub of a show for good and bad reasons it means if people hate it they're only coming at you but if people love it you know those are your words Um, and Nagatoro absolutely to date was the show that I've put the most hours into just obsessing over every single line
0: I mean good luck with that, I guess
1: people seem to like it so far. I don't want to jinx it, but so far people are having a good time with it. The cast is incredible. I love the work that they're doing um, I've gotten good feedback back from both the actors and the directors so it, it just seems like uh, a lar- a lot of that show between the director, the cast the writer production was just a match made in heaven and uh you know I- i'm I'm sure I've seen some people out there that aren't thrilled but uh, but I hope that that most people are into it. It seems like a lot of people are into it. I
0: mean, it's you know I see people talking about it. You know, oh boy, did people talk about it on Twitter
1: <laughs> when the cast was announced? Yeah, but uh, there are a lot of angry, shitty people out there. But uh, but I've seen a whole lot of love too. And you know what? If I go into uh, if I go onto Crunchyroll and I grab any given episode and I scroll down, I I you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to to sugarcoat it, but I see a lot more love honestly
0: well anime lover 69 thinks it's great that's good enough for
1: me <laughs> there you go yeah there was one uh one person in particular i forget their channel name but someone's been been doing reaction videos to it and uh and they had a lot of hype built up for the character so when she first opens her mouth i could tell that they weren't sure and so they were like Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, no. I don't know if I like this casting. And by the end of the episode, they were like, "Oh, it's perfect. They nailed her." And I was like, "Ha, I won you over." <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not my performance, right? That is that is entirely Kimberly. But, you know, there's something good about also watching that progression and seeing someone come around from being not sure to being a, to being a true believer.
0: <laughs> I mean, and you know she's a great actress because I listened to an interview with her and she's like, you know, completely
1: Different from the character she plays, so there you go. Oh yeah, Kimberly and Eric and uh, and 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 Brittany and and Lily. I still have no idea who's playing Sakura. I'd love to know at some point. <laughs> if anyone finds out, send me a DM. Uh, weirdly, you know, and maybe this is I don't I don't know if there was a reason they were asked not to, or if this is just a statement about you know the the attention we give our public lives. Uh, I'm often very diligent about announcing everything I'm in because I think from some insecure place, I'm just like desperate for people to know that I'm still alive, you know, Hey mom, I'm still down here. I'm safe. But, um, (laughs) but you know, once in a while, it's, it's always fascinating to me when people don't announce roles. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know what's in their head, but man, I'd love to know who's playing Sakura.
0: But, but God, now that you mention it, it's like God. I, you know, now now the the fan casting part of my brain is going wild, and I'm like, oh man, so and so would be great as Sakura. But uh, there are
1: people with a better ear than I do, uh, than I have. I've man, there there are a few fans out there that just don't miss a. I mean, a, a lot of them are really good about preserving. The, the privacy of the people involved and waiting for the actor to announce before they go gushing about it, which is a really respectful way of, of, of engaging with us. I think you should always wait for the show or for the actor to announce their role before you go, you know, broadcasting it. But, uh, but man, behind the scenes, some of them have crazy good ears and I'm amazed at the stuff they pick out. I've done big burly dudes. I can't go that burly, but like I, I was in a show somewhere where I just put on like the biggest, broadest dude thing I could possibly do because they just needed someone to fill a random ass soldier dude. And I was like, I will try something. Tell me if you hate it. And they kept it. And I had one fan reach out and was like, you were this dude, right? And I was like, how? How did you know that? <laughs> I don't get it. It's, it's like, a, it's a quirk. It's a superpower to me. I know because I looked it up. <laughs> That I could, that I'd be on board with. I, when it hasn't been announced yet and they still find you, that is just shocking.
0: Well, I mean, there are some actors I'm, I'm good at like picking out. I mean, I'm good at picking out a Carbo and, uh, you know, Brittany Karbowski and, uh, and uh, what's his face? and uh, Habicorn
1: I can pick out. Mercer. Although I occasionally confuse Mercer and Crispin, which is weird and embarrassing. That happened to me because I was like I, – I listened to this
0: character and I'm like, is – and I confused it for Matthew Mercer. But I'm like, no, no, that's the other guy,
1: uh, mm-hmm. Winston, uh, Freeman. Mm-hmm, and I'm mean, like, how did I confuse the two? <laughs> yeah, there's some – there's a little bit of overlap there, I suppose. Um, I can always pick out uh, – there's uh, another great one. Um, Keith Silverstein. I always have a, a fairly easy time picking out. He's got such a beautiful voice. I oh, love I've his ha- texture. I've, I've, I've had him on. He's a great guy. Um, and there, and there are others, I'm sure. Um, Elizabeth Maxwell is a, has kind of an iconic voice. Um, I'm usually pretty good, and this, this, I, 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 I cheat, but uh, I'm usually pretty good at picking up Brittany Lawder's voice because we lived together for years. So I, I heard it a lot more than than other actors. Same with I, Matt Shipman, because I've lived with him as well.
0: I mean, Brittany Lada is, an, is another one I, I can easily pick out. And it's like, yeah, oh, that's Brittany Lada. And um Alex Tipton is another one I can easily pick out. And uh mm. and uh got- isn't this a great podcast we started out talking about voiceover and now we're like
1: (laughs) just name it and i know that you've had her on uh i'm starting to get i still miss sometimes but i'm starting to get better at uh at morgan garrett morgan laurie
0: oh Um, fun fact about that episode that was that episode i was close to bidding that episode uh because look Morgan is amazing and i love her and she's one of the coolest people ever but That woman has no filter and that's both a good and a bad
1: thing. So I try very hard to control mine once in a while, you know, Brooklyn comes out to play and it usually depends on what we're talking about, but I I try to keep it as PC as possible.
0: (laughs) There's a reason if you go to the episodes, that is the, there's a reason that is labeled not safe for work.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But not safe for work on that. (laughs) She, uh, Morgan has some just beautiful, beautiful grounded reads. I'm always impressed with her work. Um, I, I would say, and, you know, no disrespect to the other people working, uh, you know, my other peers working, but, you know, we have to have our favorites and, um, the people that some of the people I think of first, when I think of actors whose performances just grip me, um, Morgan's absolutely one of them. Ian Sinclair is one of them. Terry Doty is one of them. Just people that I feel like are, are at the top of their game. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah.
1: I just looked at the time and I got
0: to get going, but, um, but um, before we get going, can you give us an update on what you're currently working on and where can people find you online?
1: (laughs) No, (laughs) I, uh, I have a few things in the pipeline that I am just dying to share. Um, but alas, they are not announced yet. Um, I will say this watch. Don't toy with me, Nagatoro, on Crunchyroll. I am not in it, but I wrote it. All of those words are mine, even if they are based on the original Japanese script. Um, I'm very, very friggin' proud of it. And so I hope that you like it too. Uh, you can find me at Melizand on Twitter. That's M-E-L-I-Z-A-N-D-E. Uh, and I, uh, I had so much fun doing this with you. I hope that if, uh, if we get a chance to do it again, I'll, I'll have even more fun things to talk about and, uh, and more things soon as keep an eye on my social media. There are going to be some things going up, but, but I'm in a weird space in between right now. So for now, I'll just say watch Nagatoro. I'm friggin' proud of it. <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much.